On today's show, our guest is Ben Hurden. Ben is a veteran of the mortgage industry here in Australia. He first acquired his Mortgage Choice franchise back in 1999 when the industry was still in its infancy and in some ways was still the Wild West. Leaving a secure corporate job and diving headfirst into a business with no experience was no small feat. And Ben quickly realized that his new venture was going to require him to roll up his sleeves and hustle harder than ever before. Some quick wins early on solidified his decision to take the leap into business, and before he knew it, he was on a steady upward gradient with more and more clients and the ever-increasing challenges faced by a new business owner. Distraction and other opportunities created chaos for a while, but amongst the chaos were some incredible business and life lessons that have set him up for additional success. Ben has gone all in many times in his life. And although he's humble and he'd say that he just did what needed to be done at the time, I would say that he's been all in from the very start. Using sound judgment, deep commitment, and total honesty with himself, Ben has been able to grow four very successful businesses. There are some great lessons in here for all of us, so please help me in welcoming Ben Burden. Hey, are you totally committed? Are you playing full out? Are you all in? Hi, my name is Robert Brass, and this is the Go All In podcast. Join me as we explore amazing stories of success, heartache, and absolute triumph by those who have gone all in. I'm glad you're here, so let's get to it and do whatever it takes to go all in and create the life of your dreams. Well, good day, Ben. Welcome to the show, mate. It's great to have you here. Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me, mate. All right, I'd like to start off with all of my guests with a quick little get-to-know-you quiz that helps calm us down, it warms us up a little bit, and maybe your friends and family at home listening will learn something about you that they don't already know. You ready, mate? Sure, sure. All right, just tell me the first thing that comes to mind. It's pretty random. It's no particular order. Tell me, uh, do you prefer cardio or weights? Oh, I prefer weights, but cardio does a better job for me. Nice, nice. Do you prefer... Hiking in the mountains, doing the bushwalk thing, or do you rather be by the ocean here in this beautiful country we live in? Actually, I do a bit of both. The mountain I quite like because it gets you out of the city. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Do you prefer working away in the office doing your thing, or would you rather be out networking? In the office. I'm not a massive networker. That is one of my, one of my weaknesses, to be sure. Well, I was going to ask, do you do much public speaking? Uh, no, actually. And as a, as a kid, maybe along with most Australians, I was absolutely terrified of it. It's probably my biggest fear and I have done some public speaking and overcome that fear a little bit but it's still pretty pretty strong rage is pretty strong what are you scared of you know I don't know because I don't think people want to see you fail I don't think they turn up to see you fail and I don't think they want to see you fail but it is the fear of failure I suppose nice do you do any writing do you do much writing blogging writing I do uh, some some small blogs on the um, on the website I also put together a first home buyer's guide years ago. I wouldn't say I'm a talented writer, but I, I do it because I know that's how people are shopping these days. Did that guide come together easily for you when you're talking about a subject that you're really intimate with and you know well? I wouldn't, say it came, to, yeah, I wouldn't say it came together easily. I, I suppose it flowed, but the more you talk about something you know about, the more things you think about that you should say as well. So what I thought was going to be quite small ended up actually being quite big. So it took a long, a lot longer to finish than I, than I thought it would. And was it satisfying once it was done? 
Yeah, it was great, actually. Yeah, it, it was great. Um, I hired somebody to edit it a little bit and um, uh, try and make it a little bit smoother. But yeah, really, it was great to finish it, yeah. Nice. Excellent. Well, would you say you're old school or new age, mate? Ooh, maybe a little bit of both. Maybe a little bit of both. Old school in the terms of customer service, but I, I still like trying to provide that with some new school touches, I, like just online efficiencies, things like that. Excellent. What was your first car? My first car was a tiny little four-wheel drive, like a Suzuki Sierra, but it was rebadged as a Holden Drover. And, <laughs> geez, I mistreated that four-wheel drive, but that was a great little car. Did you thrash the bejesus out of it? Absolutely. Sand hills out of Cronulla, yeah. um, bush tracks, anything we could. But that was a beautiful, beautiful little car. That was great. Great fun. You can't break a Japanese car like that. Those things go forever, right? Or did you break yeah, it? it did go forever. And I, I still have a Japanese four-wheel drive now. And we still love that. So it's great. No more thrashing? No. A bit more care taken these days. Although we do go out in it whenever we can. But certainly more care is taken. And that car's worth a bit more money than the good old Sierra, right? Yep, 100%. <laughs> nice one. All right, last question. If you had a, uh, an opportunity to revisit somebody in the past for five or ten minutes, who would you go and visit and what would you say? Oh, that's a good one. I'd probably go back and visit my grandfather. Yeah, I don't know what I'd say. Probably the usual things that, that you would say to somebody who's passed. Good day, mate. Um, How are you going? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would like to see him again for five or ten minutes. Very nice. Very nice. Well, thank you for sharing all of that with us, Ben. It's a little bit of fun to kick it all off. Will people come on over to the Go All In podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in? So if you could, please, mate, could you please share with us your biggest Go All In story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success? All right. The, the biggest one would have been the first one probably, and that's when I started this business. So I was in quite a safe banking job, except I didn't think I was very good at it. And I couldn't see much progression. Uh, and at the time, as it is now, banks are putting more and more pressure on their staff uh, to sell more. And I didn't consider myself a salesman either. So I thought if I was going to do it, now would be the good time to do it for myself. And that was, that was 19 and a bit years ago now. But it felt like a massive step into the unknown. Mortgage broken was brand new. So there was nothing to fall back on. There was nothing to, you know, to look at and say, this is going to work. So... Um, Mortgage brokers were around, but it wasn't an industry at that point. Did you have a model to work off? Or did, did, did the industry exist anywhere else in the world, in America or in Europe or something like that? It sort of did in America. And I think the guys who started Mortgage Choice were probably basing it on that uh, to a certain extent. It works a little bit differently over there. But at the time, Mortgage Choice was, um, was cutting edge. The idea started uh, when two brothers got together and said, let's make a massive warehouse and rent space out to the banks. So you could go to this warehouse and wander around and speak to all the banks. And the more they thought about it, the more they thought that wasn't quite the future. So they started the, like the franchising of mortgage uh, brokers in Australia, at least. So it's quite, quite a good idea. That's the first business you had, isn't it? The mortgage choice one. You hadn't had a business previously to that. No, I haven't had a business. I did run a band, though, in hindsight. I was in a band, <laughs> and that was what I was meant to be. I was born to be a rock and roll star, obviously. <laughs> But managing the band was, I suppose, the first business, but I didn't really see it as a business back then. But in hindsight, it was excellent training. It's kind of fun to try and go and get a gig and get paid for it and do that type of thing. Is that, is that what you mean? Yeah, 100%. So it's all about the hustle, trying to talk people into, um, into hiring you, I suppose. And that, that's a bit different from here because people, I suppose you're selling yourself in this game, mm -hmm. where in the band you sort of had to talk. That mm -hmm. was good grounding. 
Well, well, I think in the modern world that we live in, you know, it's you've been in this business for nearly 20 years now, but I think anybody that's ever existed in the history of, of a modern workforce in a corporate job has always thought about having their own business. I, I don't think there would be many people that have never thought of that or considered that. Whether they've actually actioned it or not is a completely different story, of course, but it's yeah. always something that's there. When you were in a safe banking job, and you finally decided to take a leap, that must have been scary as anything, right? It's, how, how did you feel about that? How did you overcome that yeah. fear? What was your thought process in and around that? The thought process, I, su- I suppose, revolved around the future and uh, future earnings. So when I did the maths, the future earnings looked quite easy to attain. Uh, and as it turned out, I was, I was earning the, or more than the equivalent within a couple of weeks of starting. Well, I was on track to earn that for the year. Wow. So it, it, it was a good decision from the word go but um, when we signed up and still if you signed up to become a mortgage broker there'll be some kind of training so there were two weeks intensive training and then after that you're on your own so there's no phone ringing there's nothing to do mm-hmm. so what do you do you know so that's the big challenge is working out what's next almost every day for years until you until you build up a, a flow you just need to work out what's next but can you remember those couple of days after you got out of training and you were like oh, oh. What now? It must have been scary. Oh, 100%. It was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. <laughs> and I was, I was lucky enough to share an office at the time. And I think the other guys in there felt fairly free. So they were playing cricket with rolled up balls and, and stuff like that. And I was thinking, no, this, this isn't it. I've got a mortgage. Yeah. I didn't have any kids at the time, but I've got a mortgage and I've got to pay this. So um, it was all about, yeah, starting as fast as fast as I could. I'm so glad that you said that. I'm so glad that you said that you were terrified because I think it's easy for people on the outside looking in at business owners and successful business owners thinking, oh, it's always been like that. But the reality is when you quit your day job and you let go of that security net, it it is not a liberating experience. It's liberating in that you're going to go and take charge of your own life and you're going to go take complete ownership of it. But it's scary as hell to know that there's no backup plan and it's all up to you from here on in. So you were just a couple of weeks into your business by the time you got a little bit of traction with it. How long yeah. was it before you kind of stopped and looked back over your shoulder and said, well, this is actually really working well? Uh, there's a couple of points actually. And it's interesting to hear the question because you, you think back over time. The first one was when my um, commissions were more than covering, we're exceeding what I was getting from the bank. So you automatically feel rich. <laughs> and part of being a mortgage broker, where well, you feel rich, richer, I suppose it's all relative, isn't it? You get a pay um, rise. Being, you yourself a pay yeah, rise. A pay rise. Like, exactly. <laughs> so part of being a mortgage broker is also building your loan book and building your clients and looking after them and adding value to their experience in one way or another. So the next step would have been when the loan book reached a certain amount, that that was paying me the income that I'd lost from the bank. So the income was getting bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. So, so that would have been the second time, I suppose. But there's been a few times during the, the journey where I've looked back and been surprised at how quickly it's gone and how successfully it's gone as well. Did you have to hustle hard in those early days or did it kind of just, did it come relatively easily or did you, did you really have to go for it? You, you really have to go for it. And if you started again in this business today, you'd probably have to go even harder. Mm. I did figure out pretty quickly that I absolutely hated networking, networking meetings and groups. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm quite shy in that respect, I suppose, yeah. where I just don't enjoy selling myself. I'm not a salesman. Mm-hmm. But 
when you're sitting down in front of somebody, it's not so much a sale as you're helping them get somewhere. And luckily, the product that I'm dealing in helps people achieve dreams or financial goals or whatever it is. So I absolutely don't see it as selling, although I suppose it is. Yeah, you've got a really interesting product when it's, you know, it's the basis and the foundation of modern society, giving somebody a place to live and and helping them fulfill the dream, the great Australian dream, so to speak, of having their own home and doing all those sorts of things. So I could definitely see how it wouldn't feel like selling and you're helping people. And I think in any role that you're in, if you kind of make that delineation between sales and helping people, you'll start to become pretty successful on the other side of that because helping a byproduct of helping people is money and making more revenue and doing greater things in the world. Would you agree with that? Yeah, 100%. I know a lot of mortgage brokers, I suppose in any business, who are concentrating on the money. Mm. But And that's when I find people struggle when they're saying, I've got to make this amount of money. So if you make it not about the money, you're 100%, right? The money follows. And that can lead to other things. It can lead to a bigger business or a different business or perhaps some financial freedom for yourself. If, uh, there's just a lot of things that it can lead to if you're not doing it for the money. Nice, nicely put. If you, if you look back at those early days, and I'm taking you a long way back, and I realise that, I'm acutely aware of that. Did you realise that you had gone all in on it? Like you, you really did burn the bridges with a corporate job and bought into a franchise. And have, Did you realise that you were doing that at the time or was it just something that you did? No, I don't. It was just something that I did. At the time, it just felt so exciting. In, in between that, it was like incredibly nerve-wracking as well, I suppose, from time to time. But... It was like you make the decision. It was just great. Let's let's get stuck into it. I think my wife was a little bit uh, more dubious than I was. Um, <laughs> the sensible uh, one, right? She was the sensible one. She's okay. she's from um, the corporate world as well. But she knew that I wasn't happy where I was. So it was worth a risk. But if you asked her now, I think that she'd say that she wouldn't have done it. Right. And it was a good decision to make. Nice. In- interesting feelings that happened like you... Going all in is a philosophy of just making a commitment and just going for it and, and committing to it. And that, that part is easy because that has certainty to it. But yep. when you make that decision and you take that step off the edge of the cliff into the unknown, there's all of a sudden there's that uncertainty. So you can, there's a real dichotomy between the real excitement of the commitment to go all in and then actually going and doing it is like, oh my God, the, the reality of this is something completely different. Tell me, as, yep. as you advanced in the business and it started to get, a little bit of traction for you. You started to hire some people, obviously, and in your first business, hiring people is a very, very important and fun thing. And sometimes it can be a really unfun thing if you have the wrong people. What was your experience like? Yeah, I never thought it was going to be fun. And that was actually probably a harder all in and a yeah. more calculated all in than starting the business. I suppose starting the business felt a bit like a game, I suppose, but hiring people got real because not only was it eating into my income, at the time, my mentality was, why would I get somebody to answer the phones or, or, or put the files together when I can do that myself? I just work a bit longer and keep all the money. So it was letting go of some of the process was hard and committing my money to them was hard. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't get any easier, I found. Um, <laughs> but, but I was trusting other people who said, if you want the business to grow, you need to hire good people and, and have these things around you. So... That's another thing I've learned about myself is taking advice is something that I don't do lightly right. or, or maybe well. So I need to think about it a lot before I will commit to that advice. 
It's good um, that you can recognise those shortcomings. And when somebody's giving you that advice, was it the franchising system that kind of helped you with that coaching and said, hey, if you want to grow, you've got to hire some people? Or was it an external coach or something you read? Or what was that? Uh, that was actually watching one of the, or if not the biggest mortgage choice franchisee at the time who was out of Liverpool, watching how he did things. And it, it kind of made sense. So I learned a lot by watching successful people. Mm-hmm. And as it turned out, the first person I hired was um, absolute gold. And she was with me until recently. So she was here for around about 14 or 15 years or something. And had Oh, my gosh, like the whole thing almost. The whole thing, yes. Yeah, so it was absolutely heartbreaking when she left um, a few months ago due to some um, pretty serious illness. Uh, but, yeah, so that was a good experience, the first hire. Josephine is fantastic. Uh, since then, we've had some good and bad hires. Uh, the current team's excellent, but it's always a step into the unknown because you don't know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And and how have you handled the challenges of human resources in your business? Because if you're hiring somebody, an administrative person, for instance, doesn't necessarily have revenue associated with them. They're a, like a cost center in a business. Yep. But if they don't work out well for you, how have you, have you had those hard conversations on the front end or do you work with people to train them to get them to where you need them to be or how have you handled those challenges in human resources? Uh, with admin, I've been really lucky actually. I've, ha- I've had one lady who didn't work out and despite the training, some people just won't get it and that's not a bad thing and I don't mean that to sound in a negative way about her. Like some people just won't, won't get it and the job's not for them. So training will go so far but then at the end of the day, you need to make a call. You need to do it pretty quickly as well. And she knew and I knew. And so it, it's a tough decision to have. I don't like that kind of, I suppose nobody likes that kind of confrontation, but that's a pretty swift decision that has to be made. And there's a lot of growth that happens to you personally in a business, especially when it's your first business. And I think the most growth that happens for people, me personally, is in and around hiring and firing staff and a revolving door of people sometimes. And it's just difficult. It's just one of those things that you have to deal with in this world. Tell me the early days of mortgage broking, if I could be a little bit facetious, maybe you'll agree, maybe you won't. It was like the wild west of finance. Is that true? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. It was crazy. The sorts of things... That, that you would see, or the sorts of things that you would hear about. So I, I went out to a, um, a car yard. I won't say where it is. And there was a lot of cash involved in this small car yard. And so they, they wanted to try and get around some rules, which you, you can't get around now. You couldn't get around them then either. The, host, uh, the, um, the interview was going well until he whipped out an old school revolver, a gun, <laughs> and smashed it on the table, scared the bejesus out of me. And this, like western style revolver just sort of sat rotating on the table jesus christ what have i got myself into here but things like that you'd you'd hear about dodgy things or um or threatening things all the time it was a strange place to be and and how did you i mean a franchising system is a really good thing because it has rules associated with it and boundaries and there's a lot of rules and regulations and legislation in and around lending practices, but way back when you started that, that was fairly relaxed and it's very, very different since post 2008 and just the regulated world that we live in these days, very different. How did you handle the challenges of those potential opportunities and staying on the straight and narrow and not deviating over there and getting involved in something you shouldn't have? Well, you've always had the franchisor looking over your shoulder. So for starters, the franchise system is great. So I, I, I'm a big advocate for any franchise system, but buying a franchise doesn't necessarily mean success either. So I put that massive caveat out there. You've got to work it hard. 
but you've got somebody looking over your shoulder, so you'd be stupid to do the wrong thing. Apart from that, just doing the wrong thing didn't sit right with me anyway, so I was never tempted to go down that path. And the people I was around didn't go down that path either, actually. Did you see any uh, sharks do that? Oh, definitely. Oh, we heard a lot about about it. They come unstuck? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know, I know a few that, that, that went to jail. Uh, having said that, somebody I worked with at ANZ Bank went to, went to jail for, for basically theft as well. So um, I suppose it happens in any industry where there's money. At the time, the lending practices were, were very lax and you could almost talk an assessor into accepting something if it was common sense, which probably got a lot of people in trouble. It probably left the doors open for a lot of abuse as well, like people abusing that common sense. So it's, it's quite a good thing that it's tightened up. Having said that, it's incredibly tight at the moment. It continues to tighten up. That's like nothing I've seen before. It's crazy. Yeah, there's a there's extremes of both, isn't there? There's the really relaxed version and then the really heavily regulated version. There has to be some sort of common ground in the middle. Tell me, as the business started to generate more and more revenue, you've got more and more staff, things are going well. Were you distracted by any shiny toys, other businesses, other things? Yeah, years ago, I could see the writing on the wall that mortgage breaking would become more like financial planning. So I thought, how hard can it be? So <laughs> I became a financial planner. Right well. there was the mistake. Oh, 100%. 100%. Because I didn't look at myself honestly and say, what are you good at? And I yep. didn't understand how difficult the world of financial planning was going to be because it was heavily regulated at the yep. time. And it turned out I was a terrible financial planner. And that put me in a bad headspace. Uh, the mortgage broking business suffered big time. The financial planning business never took off. So probably one of the most relieved days of my life was the day that I decided to close that part of the business down. Did you have to go and study and get an AFSL and get yeah. all the right qualifications for that? Yeah, definitely. There was, a, there was an effort involved for sure. A lot of work. Yeah, yeah a, a lot of work to find out that you're no good at it and you don't <laughs> like it either. I yeah. suppose if you like it, you'll become good at it. But I had nothing there. I had no passion for it. I had, I had nothing at all. Can you remember at what point it was where you went, I just, I'm not going to do this? It was probably at the point where we'd just moved offices and we'd spent a lot on the fit out of the office. And, we, and then suddenly something happened in the market and the market was, was, was changing as well. So it was like a perfect storm. And I think we had something like 12 cents in the bank account, in, in the business bank account. So things had been going great up to that point and then we hit a, hit a wall and my focus was diverted and it was tough. So at, at that point, it was like, what's the money-making activity that you do? That's what you need to concentrate on. Yep. And mortgage broking was it. And from there, we, we steadily grew bigger than we were before. And when you shut it down, how did you feel? Oh, so relieved. It was like I lost 20 or 30 kilos. I felt 10 years younger. It was fantastic. <laughs> I've always find it interesting because success feels the same way. When you, yeah. when you set a goal and, and you hit up against a really big goal, you're like, oh, man, that, that feels really, really good. And, and if you think about what that really feels like, it feels like relief that you made it there. You set this goal, you put it out in the world, and it happened. But likewise as well, when something's not going so great, it's like, man, that feels like success. So sometimes yeah. quitting it and getting off it, getting off that bad investment or that bad whatever is just a relief, and that's a good thing. It's a really interesting dichotomy that I see all the time in business. It's great. Yeah, it definitely is, yeah. So tell me, 
what's happening in a super regulated environment these days? Where's it, where's it going? How do you continue to grow a business in such a heavily regulated in, environment? It's hard to grow the business. I suppose there's a, there's a, couple, of, a couple of things to, to note there. At the moment, over the last month or so, it's harder to grow the business because it's harder to get loans approved and also people in Sydney, at least, worried that there's going to be some kind of housing crash. So people are less likely to do things, certainly en masse, less likely to do things. But in terms of compliance, being part of a franchise is actually a terrific idea because they look after that as much as you may hate it. Mm -hmm. The franchisor is usually ahead of the curve in terms of compliance. Mortgage Choice certainly have been. Nice. So when you look back on decisions that you swear were knee-jerk reactions and over the top, a year <laughs> later you think, oh, I'm really glad they uh, introduced that or made me do it because now like people are really under scrutiny with, say, the Royal Commission or ASIC reviews or whatever it may be. So having the franchise to keep you in, in front of the curve has uh, been really valuable. Good team there that support you? Yeah, yeah, they are a good team. Yeah, very good team. Nice. Well, how do you handle your industry in lending and property is probably in some ways more subjected to scuttlebuck than any other industry that's out there. Because when somebody's purchasing a property, they've all, whether that's for an investment or to live in, they've always got an opinion about what's happening with a particular market. How do you handle the challenges of investors and all the scuttlebuck that's out there? And there's so much information where the market's going to collapse by 50% in the next six months. And then I look at another website and it tells me yeah. that it's going up by 13% this month. And it looks, there's no way it's going to collapse. So many conflicting views out there. How do you guys handle that in the middle of all of that? You're on the receiving end of all of that. Yeah, you know, we actually don't, we hear it, of course, like same as everyone else will hear it and we'll read it and uh, it causes everyone to be a little nervous. But I'm not sure exactly what it is, but our clients don't seem to react that way. So certainly on mass, they don't react that way. And maybe it's because I don't react that way to news stories. I understand they're trying to sell a newspaper or something. <laughs> And maybe we've attracted like people, similar, similar kind of people. Nice. So, you know, you've always got one eye on it, but I, I genuinely think that you do attract similar people to you. And there, there isn't a lot of, with my clients anyway, there doesn't seem to be a lot of fear unless I'm really misreading them. Nice. So people are ready to make the commitments irrespective of what's happening in the economy. Is that, what you, that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. Like, and and they may, maybe they'll educate themselves a bit more. So maybe they'll, have, they'll just have a little you know, a second look at something before they make a decision, which is great. Why, why wouldn't you want your clients to be educated and happy? So, yeah, yeah, they just do a little bit more research. Nice. Tell me, what's the favourite part of working with clients to help them secure their first property? Tell me about that. That must be a fun thing. Does that ever wear off? No, it doesn't, actually. Like, um, that is the 99% uh, of this job is is admin and compliance and paperwork and really, really boring stuff. <laughs> um but the 1% is sitting in front of clients and, and working through it with them. And that's the bit that I still like. So I try and outsource all the other stuff to other, st uh, to other, to other staff, obviously, who are better at that than I am. But, yeah, being in touch with the client through that journey, helping them research properties if, if they need property reports or if they want to know what's happening in the market, that, that's always a good feeling. And every broker I have working for me will tell you the same thing. It, it's always great to get somebody into a house, but first home buyers, there is definitely a special connection there. Excellent. Do you remember your first one? My first client? Your, your first first home buyer. My first first home buyer. 
oh, geez, that was back in 1999. <laughs> um, now, I remember my first client, but they already had their, their house. So first home buyer, no, I can't remember that one, unfortunately. Because that's changed a lot as well over the last over the years that you've been in business with the first home buyers grant and all the government assistance and help in and around that. Has it become easier for them these days or is it harder for them? It depends where they're trying to buy. So in this area, which is around Cronulla, you don't get many brand new properties. Yeah. You, don't, you don't get many um, options for clients to take advantage of the first homeowners grant. But it depends where you are in Sydney or in New South Wales for that matter mm-hmm. or even Australia. So we don't see too many people claiming the, the grants. We see a lot of first home buyers who have just got to slug it out and go go old school, go the hard way. Mm. Oh, nice one, nice one. And tell me, you're not just an owner of a mortgage choice business, you've got some other businesses as well. Tell me a little bit about them. Yeah, okay, the other one is a, um, a financial planning business. So I can still see the value in financial planning, even though I can see the value in me not being a financial planner even more. <laughs> so we started the business and I brought in a partner, Adam, and he is the planner. So the the little twist there is not trying to do everything yourself. And that works really well. Adam is excellent at that. So he's, um, and he's also a partner in the business. So the idea of a financial planning business wasn't such a bad idea. It was just the implementation of it with you as the person wasn't such a good idea. Yeah, definitely. And I haven't actually met many people who are great at both things. Mm. So I'm not sure exactly why that is, but for me, that's definitely true. So having Adam do that and my team and I do the home loans, it's a much better situation. Nice. And you've got so you've got an F45 business as well, right? Yeah, we've got two of those. So a couple of years ago, um, my wife and I were um, thinking about what next. Maybe it was a midlife crisis or I'm not <laughs> sure exactly what it was. She was in a corporate job at the time. Yeah. So we were looking into 24-hour gyms and then the more we looked into it, the more we liked F45 because it added something. It wasn't all about price. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't about $5 a week because that can only go one way. You can, next thing is going to be $4 a week. It's a race to the bottom, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's what we thought. So F45 was different. It's a higher price point. It was a totally different business model. Um, and just as we signed up for that, my wife had the opportunity to accept a redundancy from a corporate job. So she's thrown herself into that and she's made a good success of it. So that's an interesting business to have actually it's good to be part of something different keeps you a bit fresher do you go and train in your own gym i used to i um i I haven't i haven't for a long time that's in the inner city or the inner west i should say so it's a bit of a bit of an effort for me to get to did the trainers say hey the boss is here let's kick his ass yeah they they did they did but the boss at the moment isn't that fit so um, I, i just should get back to it though i need to get back to it yeah. yeah. Well, there's kind of like no excuse, right? Because they're both your gyms. You've got to get, get yourself over there and make it happen. Yeah. Or if you do go, you've got to be pretty good at it. So, yeah, that's where I'm at at the moment. I'm not that not fit enough to be there. Strange yeah. thing to say. The F45 actually. model is really great, isn't it? The bringing people together and doing the group fitness and the classes like that in just such a short space of time. It's, it's a really super successful model. How have you found yep. the challenges of working in a totally totally different business in it's not nothing to do with finance it's fitness it's people it's helping people get to where they want to be in their life from a health perspective how have you seen yep. the challenges of those well for starters we decided like my wife and i are um, you know mid 40s now so we were never going to be the trainers for this so we're always going to, to hire people and that's where jane's strength lay she was in human resources and recruitment in a previous life so she hired a great team of people to run the classes and Jane 
pretty much runs the people. So it's a sort of business that she doesn't have to be at day to day, although she's got a lot of hands on, like all day, every day, she's always involved in it. But we purposefully wanted to set up a business where it didn't rely on the principal. So my business relies on me a lot, but the F45 doesn't. And that is the beauty of that one or how we've set it up anyway. Mm-hmm. And does that feel good? Does it feel like you have to go and do something there every now and then because you're so used to being inside your business working on it? Surprisingly, no. No, no. So my wife and I will work on the business and she she would do more than I would now. I had a lot to do with it when it was first being set up. And she sort of works on it all the time and rarely in it. So it's um, it's an interesting study on how to do that because it's worked quickly and it's worked really well. Again, inside a franchise model. Yeah, the franchise model is great. So you've just got to trust that what people are telling you is, is true, that the systems are going to work. You've got to believe in the systems. And then you make them work to the best of your advantage and, and go hard. You've got to go hard all the time. Nice, nice. So I just want to shift focus a little bit here, if you don't mind, Ben. And you've got a, a lot going on there. There's several businesses happening there. Can you tell me about your mindset, about commitment and going all in? What would be the top three things that you would say to somebody if they're thinking of taking a leap into their business, into a business for the first time or maybe purchasing a second one? What would you say about that commitment? The first thing I would say is they've got to be honest with themselves. They've got to have a conversation with themselves and be, mm-hmm. and be honest with themselves. Uh, so like I could buy an astronaut business tomorrow. There's no chance I'm going to be an astronaut. Same as the financial planning business, so to not be stupid about it. There was no chance that was going to work. So people have just got to be honest with themselves and then weigh up, is the upside going to be worth it? But also don't look at only the upside because it's, you could make a billion dollars out of it, sure, but you might just scrape by as well. And, and most businesses do struggle. So what's going to happen in that interim period where you're struggling? Like how bad is everything else in your life going to get? So I, I know it's probably not the, the negative answer that you wanted, uh, but I am conservative. So I like to know what's, what's the worst that could happen and the best, of course. Like, you know, the best is what sells it to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think you need to be wary of what could happen. Well, it's, it's really sensible advice, really. It's not, the, it's not what I want to hear. For me as an entrepreneur, you know, I've got several businesses as well and, and I'm constantly, in some ways, I'm a little bit barraged by different opportunities of people kind of wanting to do joint ventures with me or can you help me do this or can you, yep. I, I use your team to do that and I'll give you a buy-in to this. And, it's, and it can be very distracting for me with all of the stuff happening and I had to create a filtering mechanism for myself as to whether or not it was going to work. And the very first thing that I ask myself is, am I being honest with myself? It's exactly what you said. And can I really honestly say with my hand on my heart that this is a good idea? And if I can say, yeah, it's a good idea. Well, can I really afford to get involved in this? And you know, if the thing is not going to produce a cash flow model for me for three or six months, then can I afford to keep putting money into something like that and not get a return or not see some cash flow? Or is it going to impact on the cash flow from this business over here and maybe encroach on my lifestyle? And I kind of, I'm able to stop myself pretty quickly because yep. everything looks like the yep. best new opportunity in the world that you've never seen before. And this is the first time in the digital world that this has ever happened. And it's all exciting and everyone's got these great ideas, but the realities are always very, very different. And that conservative approach that you're describing is exactly what I use yeah. as well. Yeah. So that resonates. And, and, and it is funny you should say that because we looked at with, with the gyms in particular, we looked for years to get into it. And 
a lot of things were almost. They were almost good enough and you could almost get excited about it. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you just go, no, no, no. We might have said no 50 times. And then when the right one came up, yes. And not only are we going to do one, we're going to go two because we did two licenses at the same time. And then you go hard. So that something's going to ring true and then you go hard on that. But saying no is probably, I don't know if it's the key to success, but it, it's certainly one of them. I found that saying no without a justification works best for me. Um, I would always say, no, nah, I don't want to do that because of X, Y, and Z. And sure. as I've kind of matured in business and I've got a little bit older, I suppose I say, you know what? No, no, thanks. I don't want to do that. And I just yep. don't say anything else. I, there's no, I don't have to justify myself to anybody anymore. No, um, if somebody asks me, to. Why, for sure, I'll, I'll tell them and all. But, you know, I think I feel better about saying no in those moments when I just don't justify it. Hey, Rob, can you help me move house on the weekend? No. Sorry, no. I can't, I can't <laughs> that I'm, I'm busy. You've got to get two men in a truck or a removalist to do that for you. Yeah, yep. best investment you'll ever make is getting a professional removalist. There we go. That's exactly right, yeah. So tell me, Ben, if we could shift focus again, my son is about to leave school. He's on the cusp of his HSC exams in year 12. What would you say to a 17-year-old kid about to take the dive into the big bad world if you had five minutes with him? Oh, geez, you know what I would say, and this isn't, um, I'm not going to be popular with my wife for saying this, but I'm <laughs> going to say, like, go and like, live the dream. If you've got a passion, like, go for it. So for me, it was music and being in a band, mm-hmm. and we gave 100% to that. So at the end of the day, when I finally realised that you actually do need some talent to make it, and I didn't have the musical talent, who <laughs> would have thought that? But I gave it everything I had to make it work. So when I pulled the pin, it was like, you know, I'm not going to die wondering if I could have done it. And it gave me other skills, which I didn't realise at the time. So I would say if, if he's got a passion, like to, to go for it. My wife would say, don't worry about the passion, go and study accountancy because it's soft. <laughs> well, maybe we won't let her hear this podcast so you don't get in no. trouble. We'll keep you out of trouble. Yeah. I, I love it, mate. And, and I would echo that by saying, you know, don't define yourself by what it is you do for a job. Whatever you do, just go all in on it and go for it and don't die wondering in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So tell me, as we wrap up the interview, we come to the end of it. You're a busy guy with several businesses. What are your daily non-negotiables? How do you keep yourself sharp and focused and bring in your A-game for your clients? The first thing I do is do all the things that I don't want to do first. So I heard somebody say once, eat your nasty vegetables first. <laughs> so every day, there's always things you don't like doing, whether it's telling someone their loans declined or going back to them for the fifth time for more information. So just get that out of the way and then the rest of the day is good. So just work out what you don't like and then get that done. Awesome, awesome. Do you have any daily fitness habits? I'm going to have another dig at you. Yeah, I actually do go to the gym every day. Good, Um, beautiful. But the other saying is you can't outrun a bad diet. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I'm I'm enjoying myself a bit too much at the moment in terms of food. Nicely said. Okay, Ben, well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It's a very, very important message in there. I really appreciate you sharing that with the audience and taking the time to do that. If people want to find out more information about you, where can we connect? Well, you can give me a call on 02-9525-4544. You can search for Mortgage Choice in Gymere, which is G-Y-M-E-A, Mortgage Choice in Gymere on Facebook, or... um, mortgagechoice.hurden, H-E-R-D-E-N. 
Well, fantastic. I'll make sure all of those links to your socials and to your website are included in the show notes. And that just about wraps up for the show. If you haven't already subscribed to the Go All In podcast, if you could just pop open your favorite podcasting app and hit that subscribe button because that helps us a whole boatload if you do that. And if you like what you heard today, just leave us a review. And if not, leave us a review anyway because we always like to improve. Well, that's it for this show. Thank you so much, Ben, for coming on. We really appreciate it, mate. And we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now.